Welcome to True Crime Mysteries, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart of the world's most gripping true crime stories. I'm your host, Megan, and I've spent years researching, investigating, and seeking the truth in dark corners where most people dare not look. Each week, we'll delve into a new case, peeling back layers of mystery, law, and human behavior. Together, we'll explore the intricate webs woven by those who break society's most sacred laws. We'll cover cold cases, missing persons, and recently uncovered serial killers, and instances where DNA has identified a killer. Join us as we journey back in the past, bring decade-old cases to life, and explore the dark, tragic, and inexplicable. And maybe find a light of justice at the end of the tunnel. This is True Crime Mysteries. Today we're discussing three more missing persons cold cases. With these cases, you never know who might see these stories and who might hold a key piece of evidence needed to solve these cold cases. Let's get into it. Number three, Jody Marie Foster. 37-year-old Judy Marie Foster was last seen on September 8, 1990 at the Bearground Shopping Center or Grand Plaza Shopping Center in Grand Saline, Texas. The night before, Judy and her daughter Jamie had visited the shopping center, with Jamie sensing something was wrong with their mother. The two had just relocated back to the area. Judy was a truck driver, but hadn't found new employment after the move. In an interview with NBC, Jamie revealed that her mother was filing for divorce from Jamie's stepfather and was understandably upset. The two had talked about it while they walked around the shopping center that day. According to Jamie, the two were at the shopping plaza close to midnight on September 7th when Judy realized she'd forgotten to buy cigarettes. Judy bundled Jamie into her maroon Thunderbird and drove her back home. She kissed her daughter goodbye and headed back to the plaza. The following morning when Jamie awoke, she said, I woke up around 8 a.m. on Saturday and had a bad feeling. I didn't smell breakfast. She always cooked breakfast. She was that kind of mom, homey, crafty, loved to cook. So I checked her bedroom. The bed was still made. I checked outside, and her car was gone. Her mother was nowhere to be seen. Twelve-year-old Jamie was terrified and went to her aunt's house for help. Judy's sister and mother were aware of her disappearance, but believed she would be home soon. It wasn't until September 12, 1990, that Judy was formally reported missing to the Van Zandt County Sheriff's Office. Jamie didn't understand why her mother wasn't reported missing sooner, saying to the media, quote, My aunt said she thought she'd just left, but my mom never left me like that, ever. News of Judy's disappearance quickly spread through Grand Saline, and that is when the rumor mill began to churn. Days after Judy was last seen, her distinctive maroon Thunderbird was found abandoned in the car park of the shopping plaza. Her keys, wallet, ID, and an empty cigarette case had been left behind. Witnesses came forward with a bizarre account of what happened to Judy. At around 6 a.m. on September 8th, Judy fell from a truck hitting her head. Judy was apparently in the truck with three men in the car park of the shopping plaza. The witnesses claimed that Judy appeared intoxicated but wiped the blood away and continued to walk. After following out of the truck bed, Judy and the three men drove away. Investigators managed to track down the men and the various accounts of that day were given. One of the men said that he'd been passed out in the flatbed, leaving two men with Judy. The driver of the truck, who also had not been named, claimed to have dropped one of his friends off and then continued to City Lake with Judy, with his friend passed out in the back. 
The man then claimed to have driven Judy back to the shopping plaza, leaving her by her car. He was married and lawyered up quickly. This man was identified as the prime suspect in Judy's disappearance. Witnesses claimed to have seen him that morning at a truck stop, covered in blood, with several rips in his shirt and tears in his jeans. The truck stop attendant stated that it appeared that someone was sleeping in his passenger seat, leaning against the window. The other two men were eliminated as suspects. These men were the last to see Judy alive, and claimed that after they dropped her off at the shopping plaza, they never saw her again. Unfortunately, the man who was the last person to see Judy alive has passed away. Investigators have never been able to make any arrests in Judy's case due to lack of evidence. There are plenty of rumors and speculation surrounding Judy's case, but only three people know what really happened that day. Judy was known to go out and stay out all night, but she never did without finding care for her daughter first. She would never have left her daughter for an extended period of time willingly. Judy's body was never recovered, and she is believed to be deceased. Judy Marie Foster, maiden name Oliver, is described as a white female with light brown hair, blue eyes, 5 foot 2, and 120 to 130 pounds. Judy's left ear is missing, and she may use the following surnames, Morby, Plunk, Riddle, or Oliver. She was last seen wearing a red, gray, blue, and white striped t-shirt, blue jeans, and tennis shoes. Anyone with information is asked to contact Jeremy Barker of the Grand Saline Police Department at 903-962-3145. Number 2. Anita Kim Tilden When 32-year-old Anita Kim Tilden, who went by Kim, failed to show up at the hair salon where she worked on July 9, 1987, her family knew something was very wrong. Kim was a recently divorced mother of one who doted on her son and was working towards building a better life for them. Kim's son was with his father during that breezy July week, giving her some much-needed alone time. Unfortunately, one night alone would change everything. On July 8, 1987, Kim called her mother from her Raytown, Missouri home to complain about her allergies. She told her mother she'd been feeling ill for several days due to her allergies. Her mother suggested medicine and rest. At the end of the call, Kim told her mother she was going to bed early. Kim's parents contacted the Raytown Police Department when she failed to show up to work. Investigators entered Kim's home cautiously, but found no sign of her. There was no sign of disturbance, and there were even dishes in the sink and glasses on the table. No sign of Kim could be found in the home, so investigators began to branch out. Days after Kim's disappearance, her maroon and red 1986 Toyota Celica was found abandoned on East 54th Street, just half a mile from her home. According to reports, when investigators found the car, it was parked crookedly and in the wrong direction to oncoming traffic. The car was locked and no personal effects were found inside, though the battery was discovered to be dead. The scene struck investigators as odd, and they began digging into Kim's personal life. Her ex-husband was questioned in connection with her disappearance, and he was quickly cleared as he was looking after their son. Residents along East 54th Street were also interviewed, but nobody recalled seeing anything out of the ordinary that day. Kim's case failed to gain any significant media attention and quickly went cold. The general hypothesis is that Kim was met with vile play, and her family are desperate to find her body and bring her home. A neighbor reported seeing her that evening going out on foot. She was known to go to local bars, but always went out with or met with friends. She didn't mention meeting up with anyone that evening, 
and none of her friends knew if she was dating anyone. Her family believes that she was murdered, but by whom, they have no idea. Anita's mother passed in 2012, never knowing what happened to Anita, but her siblings remain hopeful that one day her case might be solved. Anita Kim Tilden, maiden name Setzer, is described as a white female with black hair, hazel eyes, 5 foot to 5 foot 1, and 98 to 102 pounds. Her ears are pierced, and she has a scar under her left eye and a scar on her lower back. Anyone with information is asked to contact Sergeant Chris Strout of the Raytown Police Department at 816-737-6020, quoting case number R7000048. Number 1. Mitchell Valadine Eviquel 42-year-old Mitchell Valadine Eviquel was a well-accomplished woman. Mitchell had spent six years in the Army National Guard, and part of her tenure was served in Kuwait. Unfortunately, in recent times, Mitchell had found herself homeless. She would visit family members often and would keep them updated on her life. In early 2020, Mitchell dropped off the map entirely and has not been seen or heard from since. The last confirmed sighting of Mitchell was by her family on March 31, 2020, when she visited her father's home in Somerville, Massachusetts. After serving in the Army National Guard, Mitchell found herself suffering from depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and anxiety. Unfortunately, many veterans experience similar conditions, making life extremely difficult to manage without treatment and help. Despite all the problems in her life, Mitchell always made sure to visit her family and stay in contact. When not with family, Mitchell could often be found in the Central Square area of Cambridge, Massachusetts. She would camp out in various areas, doing her best to make it feel like home. It wasn't until March 2021 that Mitchell was officially reported missing when her family hadn't heard from her for almost a year. Mitchell's father told the police that the last time he saw his daughter, she was in the company of a man and his daughter. The pair were also believed to be homeless, and according to NBC Boston, were, quote, were both hearing impaired and communicated with sign language. Since Mitchell was reported missing, there's been no activity on her credit cards or phone. Investigators say she's not collected veterans' welfare payments, and she has not obtained an EBT card. Deputy Pauline Wells of the Cambridge Police Department told NBC, quote, I have to say this is a very worrisome case for us. I'm a whisper away from 30 years on the job, and I don't think I can remember a missing persons case that didn't have some sliver of information that we could go by. While this case has received local and national attention, we still have not received any tips or information that would indicate her whereabouts or status. Since we were notified that she was missing, we immediately investigated the case and have attempted to exhaust every means possible in hopes of finding her. Mitchell Valadine Eviquel is described as a black female with black hair, brown eyes, 5'3", and 125-135 to pounds. Her ears are pierced, and she experiences PTSD, depression, and anxiety. Anyone with information or anyone that knew Mitchell around the time of her disappearance is asked to contact Detective Brendan O'Hearn at the Cambridge Police Department at 617-349-3300, quoting case number 21001786. Well, folks, we've reached the end of another gripping episode here on True Crime Mysteries. Thank you for joining me as we delve deep into the complexities of today's case. 
before we go, let's not forget the human element in these stories. The victims, their families, and sometimes even the perpetrators are all part of a larger societal puzzle that we're trying to understand. While we explore these cases, it's crucial to remember the impact on real lives and communities. If you want to keep up with our weekly investigations, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are captivated by these stories as we are, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. Your support helps us bring more unsolved mysteries and untold stories to light. With that being said, stay curious, stay vigilant, and most importantly, stay safe. Until next week, good night.